Thank you for tuning in to the International Family Church Podcast. This is part four of our current series titled Missing Out. In this series, we talk about doing life in a community of people who can come alongside you and help you fulfill your God-given purpose. One of our values is that we believe that together is better. Wherever you are from, whatever your age or background, you are far from being ordinary. Authentic life change happens in the context of relationships. We believe God created us to live in a community with others so we can experience the full life God intends for us. One of the ways you can connect with others is by serving on a dream team. A dream team is what we call our volunteer teams at IFC. Whether you are currently on a dream team or are interested in using your gifts and talents to make a difference, come join us for team night on October 19th. It's going to be a great opportunity to connect with other dream team members and hear our vision directly from our pastors. You can find out more information about this and other events at intlfamilychurch.com. Now here is part four of our current series, Missing Out. I want to start off right away by just recapping where we're at. We're in part four of a series called Missing Out. Everybody say Missing Out. Missing out. Let me get my notes here. And we're talking about this idea of community. What does it mean to do life together? What's the importance of doing life together? And we began four weeks ago with this main takeaway, and we're going to start here and we're going to end here today. And the question was this, what one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in your life? Not what five things, not what 20 things, but what's just one thing that if it got better in your life, it would make your life better. I believe that doing life together makes your life better. We talked about in week one, the statement, and I love this because it gives us the context for what we're talking about today. We were created for community. It's not an option. It's not something you can do. We were created with intentionality to do life together in community. We were fashioned for fellowship, formed for a family. Maybe you don't have a family today. We say, welcome home. Welcome to our family. And none of us can fulfill God's purposes by ourselves. I like what John Maxwell says. He says that only one out of 10 people can fulfill their God-ordained destiny by themselves. The other nine of us, we're going to need help from other people. I'm one of the nine. I need people in my life to help me where I'm weak, to help me where I ain't so smart. I'm from Alabama. Listen, us Alabama people, we need, we need to surround us by with a whole tribe of people to keep us moving in the same direction. Fellowship's important. Family's important so that we can be all that God's called us to be. The truth is, is we discover our role in this life through relationships with others. We need each other. We need community to succeed. You very rarely will meet any one person who at the end of their life said, I did it by myself. Look at everything that I did. Look at everything that I'm leaving. My legacy, this heritage, I did it all by myself. I'm a self-made man. Few and far between. The rest of us need community, and that's God's plan for our life. In week two and three, Pastor Jonathan gave us a clear definition of community, and it's this. A group of people that care about each other and feel they belong together. If you don't feel like you're cared for, you may be in the different community and, and not a community. And if you don't feel like you belong with people, guess what? You can't receive from the community. I love this. The purpose of community is to experience a safe and healthy environment where we're able to remove our masks, express our desires, our ambitions, fears, and weaknesses. 
I'll be honest with you, I was involved in a community of people, surrounded with people. I thought, man, this is a healthy place, but I wasn't enjoying any of this. This is the purpose of community, safety, health, the ability to be real or be authentic. We'll talk about that in a minute. Express ourselves. Be who we're designed to be. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. These are my dreams. Here's what I'm insecure about. And this is what I ain't so good about. When we have that opportunity to do that, guess what? You find yourself in a healthy community. And I want to give you just a few characteristics because I think they're worth mentioning again. What a healthy community requires. Healthy community requires authenticity. You guys awake this morning? Come on, first service had more energy than you guys. It requires authenticity. It means be real. Authenticity, it requires mutuality. It's only a healthy community if you're giving and receiving of that community. There's a lot of people that are in community. They just take, 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 take. A healthy community, I will, I'll preach right to you. A healthy community is this one where you not only receive things, but you're compelled to give things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a partnership where, where we receive what we need, but we're able to bless those that we're in relationship with. That's a healthy community. That's called mutuality. We also require empathy. This is what I'm working on. Pastor Josh is still working on some of this, by the way. Empathy where you can put yourself in someone else's shoes. That's important. How about mercy? How about humility? Honesty and transparency. Courtesy, confidentiality. Here's one that I like. Healthy community requires courage. It takes courage to go out of your way to make sure somebody else feels loved, that they feel involved, that they feel included. It's not always about you. It takes courage to put your agenda aside and say, hey, I know what I need, but I need to figure out what you need. The last one that we talked about last week, healthy community requires frequency. We just camp here for a second. You can't come to church just on holidays and think that you truly are participating in community. Don't shout me down now. We're just getting started. Listen, you can't come once a month and say that you belong to community. We have to have this ongoing relationship where week by week, day by day, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, we do life together. And guess what? Then we receive the benefits of community. And then we're able to give community to somebody else. I don't know about you, but sometimes you don't want to be around your family, but just at Easter and Christmas, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like two times enough a year. That's not how it should be within the body of Christ. We understand that each other's crazy. If you don't think you're crazy, you're crazy. We're all kind of crazy, but we have to have this community that happens on a frequency so we become less crazy. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you today. The truth is, is this and these qualities and these characteristics, they take work. And you have to understand they're an investment. When you look at this list of characteristics, it's obvious why genuine community is so rare. Because it takes work. It means giving up our self-centeredness and our in- interdependence, to, our independence to become inter... I can't even talk today. Interdependent. It's not about you, it's about us. It's not about you, it's about we. And here's the thing, the benefits of sharing life together always outweighs the cost. And here's what it does. It gives us a clear picture of what eternity in heaven's going to look like. <laughs> 
Listen, if you don't like people, you're not going to like heaven. For whatever reason, us charismatics, us Pentecostals, any Pentecostals here, you know, we have this idea we like to do church our way. You ever been there? You kind of get selfish. Like, man, we need that, that you know, that, that kind of thing in our worship. But we're going to get up there, and there's going to be people that don't stomp their feet, and we're still going to worship with them. There's going to be Presbyterians up there, Episcopalians. There's going to be Catholics. There's going to be a whole plethora of people involved in the community of the body of Christ. Listen, this should be clear to us here on earth before we ever step up there. Let me pray for you. I'm going to unload today. Father, we thank you. For your word is forever settled in heaven. Lord, I pray that the the hearts of those that are here in this house and those that are joining us online will be opened to understand you intended us to do life together. We can't do it by ourselves. Holy Spirit, I ask you for boldness today to deliver exactly what you placed in my heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. Week four, today's title is What If? What if we use an assessment tool here with our staff and all of our key leaders at the church? It's a simple tool called Strength Finders. And Strength Finders is founded by the Gallup organization. And what they did was they decided instead of trying to figure out what's wrong with people, what if we surveyed thousands and millions of people and found out what's right with them? Do you ever notice society's always pointing out what's wrong with you? But very rarely does somebody point out what's right with you. It's the truth. And Gallup said, what if we could compile a list of of strengths that somebody could possess? And so they did the survey of thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people. And they came up with 34 traits or 34 skills that a person could possess. And through the assessment, what they want to do is help you understand what you're good at so that as you hone that, it becomes a strength in your life. And their, 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 their study and their, um, their time invested in this has thought about, uh, come up with this solution. That is, if somebody can play to their strengths, they'll win at life. They'll be happier, they'll be more successful, and they'll be more fulfilled. And so we use this tool. I've been using this tool now for 15 years. Actually, I've taken this assessment three times just to make sure it's correct. <laughs> you ever read it, you get some kind of test, and you're like, man, that doesn't sound like me. One of those personality profiles or something. I took it three times. I took it 15 years ago. And my same five strengths, the top five strengths for me were the same. I took it 10 years ago thinking, well, maybe it's changed. I got married. I'm in a different season of life. And guess what? The number one strength came back the same. Five years ago, I took it again and the number one strength of mine came back the same. You want to know what mine is? You want to know what my number one strength is according to this assessment? I'll be real with you guys today. It's futuristic. I get bored with today very easily. Let me read you what Gallup says about someone who has futuristic as their number one strength. It says that I'm inspired by the future and what could be. I like to dream by asking questions like, wouldn't it be great if? You're the kind of person who loves to peer over the horizon because the future fascinates you. As if it were projected on the wall, you see in detail what the future might hold. And this detailed picture keeps pulling you forward into tomorrow. You are a dreamer and who sees visions of what could be. Any other dreamers in here? I'm going to invite you today to to join me as I dream about what if we really 
talked and lived community? What if we really embraced these characteristics in our own life? And what if we embraced them as a church body? Today, I want to invite you to imagine what we could do together as a church over the next few weeks, the next few months, the next few years, and the next few decades. If we embraced our identity as a community I want to do this today by posing a series of questions, and all the questions start with two words, what if? You guys ready? Number one, what if we as individuals made a decision to be more authentic in our relationships? What if you and I and the person sitting next to you decided from this day forward, I'm just going to be me? Our friend Rick Bazette has a book and it says, be you because being fake is exhausting. Isn't it exhausting trying to be somebody else or better yet what somebody else wants you to be? The truth is, is we need to have a shift in the church as a whole in the body of Christ where people are just real. Man, I get tired of meeting people all the time. I say, man, how's it going? And every day it's like, man, I'm highly favored and blessed of the Lord. Well, I know that's what the Word says, and I believe that's a positive confession. I'm not knocking that. But you're human just like I am, and that means you have struggles just like I do. Well, Pastor Josh, you have struggles? Yes, I'm made of flesh and blood just like you do. And sometimes it's okay, and we should be leading a life where we don't wear a mask all the time and put on a show for people because that's exhausting. Pastor's been talking a lot about why we put on masks. And when we put on masks over the last few weeks, the truth is every one of us at different times during our week, we put on a mask to portray to somebody else that everything's just A-OK in our life. But the truth is, is we all human. James says we're all going to have tests and trials in our life. And it's through Jesus Christ that we overcome those tests and trials and that we're victorious. But here's the deal. Not every day is A-OK. It wasn't that long ago that I found myself in a community of people that I couldn't be real with because my life was going in a tailspin out of control based on people that had hurt me, based on people that were slandering me, based on people that were trying to put me off and set me aside and keep me at an arm's length. Guess what? I was hurt. I was offended. I was deeply wounded. These were people that I loved. These are people that I thought loved me. And I found myself in a state of depression, not wanting to be around anybody, not trusting anybody, not talking to anybody. And if I did see you, I put on that fake smile. Oh, yeah, it's all good, man. Yeah, I'm good. You're good? I'm good. Yeah, it's good. And then you go home and you cry your eyes out saying it's not all good. I found a friend who I could talk to. As someone told me about this man, he was a pastor in our community, and they said, man, he doesn't know you, he, he just loves people, he'll be willing to walk you through it, just call him. And I said, I'm not going to call him, he doesn't know me. And I finally got so frustrated and through the counsel of some friends and family, I said, you should call him, and you should take your mask off, and you should tell him the truth. He ain't going to judge you. And so I called him, his name was Gary. And I called Gary and said, hey, man, my name's Josh, and, and so-and-so told me to call you, and, and I'm, just, I'm just looking for somebody to be real with, because everybody I've been real with, man, they all, they all turned their back on me and walking away. And he said, I, I know who you are. I've heard about you. How about we play golf this weekend? I said, that sounds like God to me. 
So I met him at the golf course, and, and guess what? He said, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I mean, we should get the noise. I said, Josh, just spill your beans, man. What's up? How can I help you? And for four and a half hours on the golf course, man, my golf swing went to junk in a second. But man, I got to unload all the drama, all the pain, all the hurt. For the very first time in many years, I felt like somebody was empathizing with me. And he said, Josh, I've been there. I know what it's like for people to hurt you and walk out on you. And if you're willing to, I'll walk through this with you. You know, for the next year, I had coffee with Pastor Gary every week. Some weeks we played golf. Some weeks we just sat in his office and, and he just prayed for me. Some weeks we, we opened the scripture and he shared with me about forgiveness and, and letting go of the past. I remember one day, Pastor Gary said to me, he said, Josh, who's your guy? I said, I, I, I don't know what that means. He said, who's your guy? Who can you call and tell anything to? Who can you be real with? Who can you take your mask off and know that they won't judge you? I said, I, I don't have anybody like that in my life. And he said, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy for you. If you need something, you call me. You want to cuss, you want to scream, you want to spit, you want to throw elbows, whatever you want to do, you can come talk to me. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to love you and walk through this. He said, I want you to be able to get back to the real you. I love this message in, in James chapter 5, 16. It says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Let me ask you this. Who's your guy? Who's your girl? Who's the one that you can call and be the real you and just say, hey, I, I know you think everything's okay, but I need to set my mask down for a minute. I need to tell you, junk has just hit the fan. I'm going through it and I need some help. When was the last time you did that for somebody else? When was the last time you allowed somebody else to be real with you without holding it against them later or sharing all their business with everybody else? The truth is, is we all have to be real at some point in our life. I love this statement that, that we've heard recently and pastor shared it last week from Pastor Chris Hodges. He says, we know that God brings forgiveness, but people bring healing. You know, there's a lot of people that get hurt and never get healed because they reject community. Because they reject being the real them. It's easy on social media to post our best hair days. It's easy on social media to post our luxurious vacations. It's easy to post about our kids when they're all acting great and all dialed up. But nobody's posting the junk. Nobody's posting the credit card bill of what it cost to go on that vacation. Nobody's po posting the picture of the kid who's slinging his diaper all over the house and tearing it up. Everybody posts date night, but nobody's posting pictures when they're fighting with their spouse. The truth is, we have to have people in our life. And we can say, hey, it's not all good. I, I need some help. Let me ask you this question again. What if? What if... We as individuals made a decision to be more authentic and real in our relationship. Here's my answer. I believe we would become healthier as individuals and stronger as a church body. You ever heard that statement, we're only as strong as our weakest link? Guess what? This applies to the body of Christ too. If you're sick and broken, we're all missing out. 
If you're broken and unhealthy and in a toxic relationship, guess what? The longer you stay there, it affects the whole body. But when you become real and find somebody to connect with and be showy of who you really are, guess what? You can find healing through the context of relationships. And as you're healed, the whole body's healed, which allows us to make a greater impact. Man, I guess I wish you guys would help me today. This is so important because everybody's watching us that comes in the doors that are non-believers and they think, well, hey, these Christians, they act like everything's okay all the time. Can't be real. You know what? It's okay to be authentic in who we are. Number two, my second question is, what if we came to church each week focused on playing our part in the body of Christ? Today, I want to give you permission to be you. Today, I want to give you permission to be who God's called you to be. For many of us, we've been waiting for permission. We've been waiting for somebody to say, hey, it's okay to dress this way or act this way or hang out this way or spend my money on this. We want you to be who God's created you to be with your gifts and your talents because they belong right here in the body. What if we came each Sunday focused on playing our part? Don't let the enemy tell you that your gifts are insignificant and that your problems are too big for God to use you. The truth is here at IFC, we have a place for everyone, for everyone of every age, of every race, every background, every nationality, we have a place for you. We want you to find your place in this body, but we want you to be the real you. Too many people, they never find their meaning in life because they wish they were someone else, or they wish they had someone else's giftings or talents. Let's look at this scripture in Romans chapter 12. It says, in this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. For the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. And each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into those excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without envy or pride or comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. I've given you permission through this scripture, to be you. Let me say this to you. Popularity is overrated. Because the people you're trying to impress, they don't care anyways. I meet teenagers I, I, for, for years, but I, I was in student ministry for 15 years. And most teenagers live for the approval of somebody else. Only to find out on graduation day, they never going to see those people again. Why would we live our lives to impress somebody else when we have to understand that we're going to stand before God and give an account of who he created us to be? I was listening to a, a guy that I like listening to. His name is Judd Wilhite. He pastors a central church in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he said he was on this flight home after speaking at a conference. And he's flying home to Las Vegas and it's on a Friday night. And it's the last flight out that night. And he said, man, people are getting tanked on the plane. I mean, they are just boozing it up. And he said, one guy from the back of the plane starts singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall, 99 bottles of beer. And he said, people up two rows 
from that guy started singing with him. 98 bottles of beer on the wall, 98 bottles of beer. Take one down, pass it around. You know the song, don't act religious. <laughs> and he said, all of a sudden, man, the liquor cart comes back out and they start serving drinks. He said, man, the plane is becoming wild. And he said, I'm in my seat thinking, oh my God, they're all going to hell. And he's saying, Lord, why are you calling me to Las Vegas about that time? 95 bottles of beer on the wall, 95 bottles. He said they sang it all the way down to one bottle of beer on the wall. And the whole time he's looking out the window saying, God, why did you call me to this crazy city? Why did you call me to these crazy people? And the Lord said, I want you to love the city I've called you to, not the one you wish you lived in. I want you to love the people that I've called you to, not the ones you wish you were called to. I want to flip it on you today. Learn to love you, not the you you wish you could be. Learn to love your part in the body, not envious of somebody else's part. We need you. Turn to your neighbor and say, we need you. We need you to be real. We need you to be yourself. I was skiing for the first time when I was 16 years old. I was in Boone, Mountain, North Carolina, a little place called Beach Mountain. It's horrible. Don't ever ski there. And I was brand new, and I was down at the bottom of the lift, and I watched this lady fall over, and I watched a guy ski right over her face. And man, it sliced the tip of her nose right off, blood and everything. As a 16-year-old, it was actually really cool to watch. But then in a moment, I'm like, whoa, that's really nasty. And there was a youth worker with us. She was a nurse. And she went over, and she grabbed that, that nose, and the sliced-off nose, and she picked it up, and she packed a snowball around it. And she handed it to the paramedics as they were wheeling this lady off. And she said, here's the nose. And I thought, why? <laughs> it's gone. I mean, it's completely severed. And she said, no, there's a certain amount of time that if they sew it back on, guess what? It will regain life and serve as its function. Let me say this to you. No matter what's happened to you, no matter how bad you've been hurt, no matter who cut you off, called you out, left you behind. There's still a place for you within the body of Christ. And I want to challenge you, don't let hurt separate you from life. Don't let the pain of the past keep you severed from Christ's body. Your part belongs attached to the body. The Bible says it only finds its fulfillment when it's connected to the other parts. So let me ask you this question again. What if... What if we came to church each week focused on playing our part in the body of Christ? I believe that we would strengthen the body as a whole and we would find our personal meaning and purpose in life. You've met them and I meet them all the time. People that are searching for the meaning of life. They're searching through crazy religions and crazy rituals and drugs and, and situate all these things. They're searching. And you talk to them and say, man, what are you looking for? I'm just searching for the meaning of life. I'm searching for my purpose. And all along, the purpose is for them to be connected with the body of Christ. The creator placing specifically, intentionally parts together to function and to fulfill his destiny. Number three, what if... What if we went the extra mile in connecting people to community instead of giving up on them so easily? What if we, you and me, 
went the extra mile to make sure that those around us are connected to community even when they tell us they don't want to be. 18 years ago, I was helping plant a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and I was part of the Set Up and Teardown crew. We were a mobile church at that time. And we would go in like at four in the morning and we'd have these big trailers and we'd unload the chairs and we'd set them up in this high school gymnasium and we'd set up signs and banners. And I, I met this, this family there. It was a father and a, a husband and a wife and two teenage kids, a little boy, probably 15. The girl was like 17. And the dad was part of the, the setup up Teardown crew and he was also part of the ushers. And I got to know him and his, the mother, she worked in the children's church in the nursery and the daughter, she sang on the youth worship team. But their son, he never came in church. He always stood outside. And so we'd be unloading gear and I'd walk by and he would be standing up against the wall of the building in Tulsa. And he, he'd sit there like this and I'd walk by and say, what's up, man? How you doing? He'd say, what's up? I was like, hey, I'm Josh. What's your name? What's up? I was like, hey, man. I'm the new youth pastor here. I said, I'd love to invite you tonight. We got, we got a youth program. It meets over here and you should come. It comes at 6.30. I said, do you want to come? And he said, nope. I was like, all right. I'm going to be on mission to get this kid in our youth ministry. The next week, I, I see him standing there against the wall. I'd greet his dad, greet everybody else. And he'd be standing there just like that again. Same spot, same week, just the same thing. I said, hey, man, how you doing? What's up? He kind of looked me up and down like he's checking me out. I said, man, I'm, I'm Pastor Josh. What's your name? He said, Tyler. I said, hey, Tyler, we got a program. I said, how old are you? He said, 15. I said, we got a program for you tonight, man. I'd love for you to come. There's going to be girls there. <laughs> we got pizza. We're going to hang out. You want to come? He said, nope. All right. See you next week. And the next week, I'd walk by, and he'd be there, same thing, up against the wall. I'd say, hey, how you doing, Tyler? What's up? I said, man, I've been asking you for weeks to come to youth, man. Tonight's the night. We've we got this crazy party. We're giving away giveaways. You're going to want to be there. It's going to be awesome. I said, you want to come? Nope. Now, this went on for week after week after week after week, okay? I'm starting to think, I'm, he knows where it's at by now. I've told him. He knows what time we meet. He knows who I am. And so this next week, I'm going to walk by. I was like, what's up? <laughs> but I couldn't. I said, hey, Tyler, what's up? I said, we got this thing tonight. He's like, I know. I said, you want to come? He said, no. <laughs> week after week, week after week, week after week, I was ready to write him off. In fact, I'd see him and it started to irritate me. This punk standing outside the church, arrogant enough to tell me every week he ain't coming. He ain't that busy. He ain't that cool. I started to get frustrated. I'm like, Lord, done with him. It's waiting for months. True story, I went for months and months and months and months. Every single weekend, the same pillar at that high school, he would be standing there saying, you want to come tonight? No, 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 no. Until one week, Tyler wasn't there. And I saw his dad and I said, hey, where's Tyler? He's not in his spot today. He said, oh man, he's, he's not here today. He's at his grandparents. He's hunting this weekend. I said, he's hunting? He's like, yeah, he's, you know, he loves deer hunting and stuff. And I was like, ah, I got Tyler's number now. Next week, Tyler's standing there with his leg up against the wall, standing there like he's so cool, whatever. And I said, hey, man, I said, I said, I missed you last week. And he said, sup? I said, Tyler, I said, uh, you weren't here last weekend. I said, your dad said you were hunting at your grandparents' place. He said, yeah. I said, did you kill a big old buck, man? Did you kill a big old deer? His face lit up. 
He said, I killed a monster. You want to see it? And he pulled his phone out and he started showing me this picture of this deer with this, this massive rack. And I said, man, that's a Boone and Crockett deer, man. That's a huge monster. You should have that thing measured. That's probably a trophy deer. He said, you want to see a picture of the bass that I caught? And he showed me this picture of this big old bass that he pulled out of the pond the next day at his grandparents' farm. I said, man, that's amazing. You're such a great fisherman, hunter. He said, you hunt? I said, man, I'm a deer slayer. I love killing deer. <laughs> he said, you're serious? You're a pastor. I said, I, uh, we hunt down in Alabama. I'm from an Alabama man. Roll tide. I gave him all the stuff, you know. And you know what? He said, hey, tonight you all still having that you thing? I said, yes, sir. He said, 630? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'll be there. You know what? Tyler came to church that night to our youth ministry and gave his heart to the Lord. I had the Lord say this to me, this statement. He says, uh, we write people off, but Jesus writes people in. Jesus went after people, called to Zacchaeus and said, come down from there, man. Let's go eat at your house. What was he looking for? Common denominator of interest. Says he saw Peter and Andrew fishing, mending their nets and said, hey guys, man, y'all are great fishermen. You want to fish for something awesome? I'll teach you how to fish for men. Found a place to connect with them. All it was was Tyler needed to see me, not as Pastor Josh. He needed to see me as Josh the deer slayer. <laughs> and all of a sudden when there was this connection, guess what? There was an openness to come be a part of what I wanted him to be a part of, which was receiving Jesus Christ and receiving community in his life. Why is it that we're so easy to write people off? We ask our neighbors to church and time after time they say no. And you finally say, well, screw them. I'm just done with them. I'm not going to invite them anymore. And then every time you see them, you have an attitude towards them like there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. There's something wrong with you. And the truth is, is they're just looking for a connection, not an invitation. They're looking to find out if you're real because most Christians are weird, man. And the second you said you want them to come to church, you just labeled yourself and you don't even know it. But the next week, you should go out there when they're mowing their grass and say, how you doing? Grass looks good. This last year, I took tomatoes and, and peppers out of my garden and we went to the neighbors and I gave them to them just so they would think I'm weird. It's that pastor guy next door. Don't open the door. What's he want? I just got vegetables from our garden. Y'all want some? Yeah, what church do you say you're from? I was, I'll save that story for another time. <laughs> Tyler couldn't see past my position. He needed to connect on his level, not mine. Let me ask you this question. What if we went the extra mile in connecting people to community instead of giving up on them so easily? This is what I believe. I believe we would see our community not only grow in attendance, but in engagement as well. <clears throat> I believe that people would come on their own admission and actually want to get involved. Can I say this to you without hurting your feelings? Some people have this concept that evangelism is, evangelism is simply getting people to come to church. And that's really not evangelism. It's not evangelism at all, actually. Evangelism isn't about getting people to come here. It's about getting them to meet Jesus through you out there. Guess what? Once they see Jesus and the love of God in you out there, they're going to ask you how to come in here and do life with us. Amen. Number four, here's, the, here's another good one. What if? What if we understood that every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday? 
What if we had this idea that every time we come to church, and we've been coming here for years, man, I got my seat. I know people there. But there's other people who are going to come in for the very first time and not know anybody. Check out the story of our friend Melissa today. I was having brunch with my friend Mercy back in March. We were discussing faith and the churches that we were attending. I was telling her that I felt something was missing from the church that I was currently going to, that I was checking a box when I was there and I wasn't leaving fulfilled and feeling the message. She mentioned that she went to International Family Church and that it was amazing. She said, listen, if you come to, with me to my church, I'll attend your church with you. As I started to walk towards the entrance of the church, I saw someone holding a sign that said, we've been waiting for you. And I actually started to choke up and I could feel the tears to think, oh my goodness, someone has been waiting for me. From the time that I walked into IFC, I felt welcomed, I felt seen, I felt that people were excited and glad that I was there. Pastor Jonathan's sermon was amazing. It was about being someone's miracle. By the end of the service, I turned to Mercy and said, you don't need to come with me to my church because this is now my church. I saw Melissa and she was filling out her VIP packet form. I just really felt it on my heart to just go and say hello and to make a new friend and just to welcome her in a nice way. When I started talking with Melissa, I felt like I already knew her. So I asked her, did I meet you before or do I know you somehow? And I found out that she goes to the same gym as I. So I gave her my number and I said, hey, if you ever want to reach out, just send me a message, let's connect. She had texted me her phone number. So later on that day, I texted her back. Thank you so much for your openness to connect. This is what I've been hoping and praying for, inviting my home church. I had been attending another local church and had some of the same feelings you were describing about wanting to feel and be welcomed. You did that for me and I thank you. Hey Melissa, I'm so glad you messaged me. Well, I'm happy to say welcome home to your new home church, and I know you'll love it here. Please stay in touch, and if you are ever in need of a friend, please never hesitate. Maybe we can start a fitness night too, and get some other Christians in. It would be a dream of mine come true. Happy you came to church today. So later that afternoon, I decided to go to the gym, and while I was working out, Samantha walks in. When I walked in, I saw Melissa. I was really excited and I just said, hey, what are you training? And she told me she was training the same muscle group that I was working out. So I said, do you want to train together? It was so much fun and we really had a lot of fun, talked the whole time. And I was really just happy that we got to connect again outside of church. Later on that evening when I went home, I had to text Samantha and let her know what that day meant to me. Thank you so much for sharing your workout with me today. It was amazing. I love your idea of a Christian fitness night. That would be awesome. Reflecting upon Pastor Jonathan's sermon, please know that you were my miracle today. So when Melissa told me um, that I was her miracle that day, it just meant, you know, a kind of confirmation I was doing the right thing. And I was just really happy that I could make a new friend. And she's really been the person that I can talk to about real life things that are occurring and get a godly perspective back. One of the people I introduced her to is Jess, who has a life group coming up for people that like fitness. So I've already joined Jess's life group, and I'm so excited to have that community again. I felt God was putting it upon my heart 
that it was time for me to serve. So I completed my four next steps and I already knew I wanted to be part of guest services. If I can make one person feel as welcomed and as connected as Samantha did for me, if I can be that miracle for one person, then I will feel like I am fulfilling my purpose. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Every week, every week there's dozens of people that come here looking for a community. What if every week we came anticipating their needs, knowing that they belong here? What if we truly treated people like we had been waiting on them? What if we all had the same enthusiasm towards welcoming guests like Sam did? What would happen if we treated everybody like we did Melissa? What if every partner at IFC had the same enthusiasm for connecting with those that are coming here for the very first time? Let me ask you this question. What if you were the person who opened the door for someone to experience the safe and healthy environment we've been talking about where they're able to remove their mask and express their desires, their ambitions, their fears, and their weaknesses? What if every Sunday we understood that it was somebody's first Sunday the truth is, is I believe, I believe that together we can anticipate their needs and overwhelm them with kindness and love, causing them to not only return again, but to get involved here serving with us. The fifth and final question I'll ask you today is, what if, what if we focused on being a church that builds great people and not just about building a great church? What if we focused on building great people instead of building a great church? 37 years ago, a young Italian couple asked themselves that same question. They asked themselves, what would happen if we focused on loving and leading people and helping them build better lives instead of asking something from them? See, that question has changed my life. It's changed your life. The answer to the question is very simple. Look around. Look around. Look at the person next to you and behind you. Someone asked a young couple in their 20s, asked, what if we just built great people instead of focusing on a church? What would happen? This is what happens 37 years later. Me and you, lives being changed. Today, we're experiencing the success of an opportunity that was presented 37 years ago with a question that started with what if. Today, 60 nations gather together weekly to worship right here. Today, almost 400 kids will hear the gospel message on the level that they can understand. 
Today, over 100 teenagers will meet in that auditorium back there, and they'll get together in groups to help them navigate through the challenges of adolescence. Today, we're experiencing four generations of people serving together on dream teams. Each year, we're now seeing hundreds of people make decisions to follow Christ. And every quarter, we're baptizing dozens of people who want to proclaim their faith publicly. Collectively, we're giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars to foreign missionaries, local charities, and relief efforts around the world. That's community. Today, we're seeing broken marriages restored. Today, we're watching the cycle of debt be broken and families for the first time are becoming financially free. Through networks that we support and are connected to, we're planting hundreds of churches right here in the U.S. and around the world. Today, we're seeing people set free from addictions through our freedom groups that meet each and every week. Let me ask you this. What if we focused on building great people instead of building a great church? The answer is very simple. I believe we would continue to grow as a community and people from all walks of life would find hope, acceptance. They would find fulfillment through a relationship with Jesus Christ. With your head's bowed and your eyes closed. I want to ask you your question today. If one thing in your life changed, if just one thing changed, what would make you better? If just one thing changed, what, what, would, what would make you your life better. Let me ask you this in a more pointed way today. What's your next step towards community? Every one of us has a next step, myself included. There's various steps in how to become involved or be engaged in community. The first and foremost step is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Another step might be to get baptized, publicly declare your faith to your friends and family. For some of you, your next step may be to actually join a team and begin to use your gifts and talents to serve others within this local community. For some of you, your next step is to join a group and finally be able to be in an environment where you can take your mask off and be real and discover the freedom that you haven't felt yet in your life. Whatever it is, take your next step. As we close this series today, I don't want this just to be a series that is just slotted on the calendar and we do. I pray that we'll look back on the series and realize that was the catalyst for, for me getting involved and doing what I've been called to do. I hope this is the push off the edge for you to sign up, connect, join, serve, give, and be a part of what God's doing here at International Family Church. Maybe you're here today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you say, man, my first step is what you're talking about. I need to accept Jesus. I, I, this is all new to me, man. I, I've been doing life by myself. And truthfully, it ain't going so well. Your fulfillment in life begins and ends with Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it very clear. It's simple to begin this new life. All you do is call out on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, he who believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth, he shall be saved. I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus? I won't embarrass you. I won't, I won't make fun of you. I, I simply want to pray for you. If you're here today, say, man, pray for me, Josh. I, I needed Jesus in my life. Would you do me the favor of just putting your hand up and put it right back down right where you sit? You say, man, include me in that prayer. I, I need Jesus. I need a fresh start. I need fulfillment. I, I need to be a part of something bigger than myself. 
Anybody at all, you'd say, pray for me. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. do this together, whether you raised your hand or whether you should have raised your hand, I just want you to, to pray this prayer out loud with me out of, the, out of the depths of your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me for anything that I've said or done against you and your plan for my life. Today, I choose Jesus. I believe that he died and rose again to pay the price for my sin so that I could be reconnected with God my Father. Today, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. To stay connected to what's happening, visit intlfamilychurch.com, subscribe to our podcast, or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We all can grow deeper in our relationship with God. Come discover your God-given purpose and reach your full potential by attending our growth track called Next Steps. Next Steps is a four-step process that meets every week after each service and is designed to help you discover your purpose and make a difference in the lives of those around you. For service times and more information, please visit intlfamilychurch.com. Thanks again for listening.